Yo, what's up? Hey. How's it going? I'm, I'm here. Yeah. Final season and my life is not my own. Mm, but but was it ever is the real yeah. question. You That's know? a good question, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, unfortunately, we're not going to answer that question on this episode. Maybe another one. We'll get we'll get somebody on here to uh, enlighten us on on if we have any uh, free will or any control over our lives. I'm leaning towards no more and more every single day. But I don't know. Mm. I, anyway, I digress. Um, but yeah, I'm expert in determinism or something. Yeah, I. You know what? Something tells me we could find somebody who. Yeah, again, who is like got a PhD and specializes in determinism and they're like absolutely like they like saw black flag once or whatever like yeah fuck it get on the show <laughs> like, call fuck it evan if there's one you, evan if there's one guy i know who would find that person too it's it's you man <laughs> i'll put some feelers out yeah, sensational that's what i like to hear um yeah do you want to introduce this episode really fast sure yeah it was um we've actually had this one in the works for at least since the summer um, so it, it was really exciting to get this one, um, put together, uh, for this one, these are actually our first two per two guest episode. And we are working with, um, the indigenous punks archive, which is, a an, a, a, an account that I've been following for a long time on Instagram. Uh, it's, it's a two person project that focuses on profiling or highlighting, um, indigenous people's contributions to punk throughout uh, the history of punk. And I feel like that's, I learn something new from it every time they make a post. And, and um, I feel like that's um, an aspect of punk history. That's just underplayed indigenous contributions to every other genre of music. Um, So it was really excellent to have them on. I learned a ton uh, the two of them are <clears throat> uh, Christy Martinez, who's uh, uh, an expert in in uh, musicology and American Indian studies, uh, working on her PhD in, I believe, UCLA, and Cass Gregg, who is a musician. Uh, he plays in a ton of bands. Uh, uh, some that come to mind are Curtis Clear Sky and the Constellations, the Milaman Collective, Bannock Dogs, and Infinity Mirror and uh, Christy Martinez uh, plays an observer syndrome. So um, yeah, it's kind of a really awesome episode. They they uh, really had their hands on the wheel for this one, which was excellent because there was just so much I got to learn from the two of them. So it's really, really a pleasure talking to them both. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, this was this was a good one in uh, a ton of different ways. So uh, yeah, click click play. You're gonna do it anyway. You already made it this far into the show <laughs> because you think me and Evan both have really attractive uh, voices. I already know it. But uh, anyway, click play. And as always, you know, message us whenever uh, you have an idea or you want to see somebody on the show. We listen. I promise. I promise. We'll, yeah. we'll do. I, we will do what you say. We're just. <laughs> We're nothing more but internet void content creators at this point. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of free will. Yeah. Have none. <laughs> Have none. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, we'll see you all later. Thanks so much. Yeah. Take care.
Evan, what's going on? Hey, how are you? Oh, good. I don't know. It's a hard question for me to answer, even though it's like just a really casual um, way to greet somebody. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that. You know what semantic satiation is? Uh, no, I'm not smart enough to know that. You're the brains behind this Sem- podcast. Please, talk, talk to me. Semantic satiation is when something is said so often that it loses its meaning. Oh, okay. Um, so, like, there's there are thought experiments where, because all words don't actually mean anything anyway, because there's a semantic fallacy. Is, I mean, I'm sure you've read, so you know what I'm talking about, but... Um, the like signifier chain but um i would say that like there are thought experiments where you like look at your wristwatch and just say the word wristwatch until the word doesn't mean anything anymore Mm, okay if you really want to mess with yourself you could just look at yourself in the mirror and say your name until your identity dissolves (laughs) (laughs) i didn't need any help suggest doing that under the influence of heavy intoxicants Um, yeah Okay, but um, it also happens with just everyday phrases like, like pitch black. I don't think anybody really thinks about pitch black meaning as like as as dark as tar, because that's what pitch is. Right. Um, we just think, oh, it's dark, it's nighttime. Um, so I think that how's it going or how are you has been kind of become that thing where it's like, how's it going? Yep. Yeah, yeah. I had my one of my coworkers the other day. I I said, "How's it going?" And I think he said, "Like nothing much" or something like that in response. And I was just like, "Nice." If he's anything like me, he would have spent the rest of the day thinking about that. I, you know what, Evan? He's nothing like you. So <laughs> luckily, that that didn't happen. Uh, hey, you know what? I was just thinking about this today. I wanted to ask you really fast because you you taught you were an English teacher for a little while. Dude, yeah, why, why, do we, why do we still make kids read The Pearl by John Steinbeck? Like, what's what's up with that? Hey. So I, hey. Oh, hey, what's up, Jess? Hey, what's up? You are welcome to weigh in on The Pearl if you like. Um, I'm just going to see if I can feel. Uh, hey, we got Christy, too. Oh, hell yeah. I just, y'all came in uh, just, just in time for us to talk about stuff we were forced to read in high school. <laughs> just for me so so uh just to finish answering the question um sort of um first of all i never signed the pearl or any other steinbeck because uh, if it's not east of eden and labor unions then why bother sure um but um uh the pearl was a book that i never i was i'm kind of ironic as an english teacher because i was so bad at reading books that I was assigned and the Pearl was one of them. Um, and so I never read it. I was just around for the class discussions. Um, but I gleaned enough from the class discussions that this was in probably seventh or eighth grade, um, that I wrote my, in a state of brazen confidence, I wrote my high school entrance essay based on the pearl they're about like a book that changed your life and i wrote about the pearl and i remember i had to meet with the principal or whatever of the high school because i'd like failed a religion class at some point ah. and they wanted to make sure that i was not some roused about i don't know but um uh 
they showed me that my entrance essay about this book that I'd never read got a perfect score and a wow written in the margin, um, which I guess foreshadowed my life as an English teacher and potentially as a BS artist. Okay. So, so Christy, Kaz, first of all, welcome. <laughs> Do either of you have any stories about books that you were forced to read or pretended to read in middle or high school or college? Uh, I, I pretty much read it. Most of the stuff that they forced upon us, but none of it had a real impact on me. Except me, yeah. I guess Lord of the Flies, but I, I just found how they talked in the, in the book to be funny. So that's yeah. all I got out of it. <laughs> uh, Lord of the Flies is a great answer. I just, I just finished teaching that to my, my students recently. I mean, I liked it, but it was, it's just not something I would gravitate towards to unless I was, you know, had to. Right? Yeah. Do you remember how old you were when you read it? Oh, I don't even, yeah, I don't remember at all. Um, I taught it to seventh graders. I feel like that book is pretty good for middle and high schoolers just because they kind of live in a state of like, yeah, yeah. There's <laughs> probably probably around that like I'd say yeah. I want to say it was grade 8 or something like that. Yeah, that's that's a I feel like it's a good one for them to kind of come to terms with their wanting to be fully independent from the adults in their life but also needing to feel like they have some structure. I also really like the uh, Simpsons version. Yeah. Oh man, I've I'm gonna have to revisit that one. <laughs> yeah, they they auto crashes the bus and they wind up on an island. And <laughs> I guess the Simpsons has run long enough that it's touched on just about everything. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty funny. Especially, uh, I like the uh, Nelson starts a fire with Milhouse's glasses. Ah. <laughs> Yeah, and it's all there are always these these little like jokes they manage to sneak in for the people who are really familiar with the subject material mm -hmm. without meaning without it being necessary to be familiar with the subject material to to get the episode. Yeah. Um so it looks like we lost Christy, but Cass, could you um introduce yourself for us? Hey um my name is Cass Gregg. I'm uh, a guitar player and bass player uh, for multiple bands. I play guitar right now in a band called Curtis Clear Sky and the Constellations, which is an indigifunk band. That's what we call, or Curtis calls his style of music. It's kind of a funk, hip-hop, rock. And, you know, uh, even sometimes we get pretty, pretty medley, actually. He, he kind of like live conducts us and we get pretty haywire sometimes. So it's, it's a lot of fun. And uh, everybody in that band, including myself, pretty much is uh, indigenous or, or from some other um, like uh, POC background kind of thing. And uh, Curtis is, um, he's really awesome. Like, and uh, I, he, uh, 
he used to play in a like he had a metal band back in the day and he's a really inspirational guy and then another band i play in is called the malaman collective which is a uh, shoe shop word which means medicine and that band is kind of a, a really interesting hybrid band of like um, we have two like you know singers two um, rappers and uh, every, everybody except for the one guitar player slash singer in that band is indigenous as well or and our drummer is from Chile and then I just started a new band called Bannock Dogs which is with my cousin Clayton and that's in drummer from Chile, Victor. And that's uh, kind of a weird metal country hybrid uh, thing. And then I play in another band called Infinity Mirror, which is uh, like an atmospheric death metal band. And uh, yeah, so I got a lot of bases covered in all the music I'm playing. And then I uh, was lucky enough to be um, invited to help uh, Christy with her um, indigenous punks archive because I'm super interested in the history of indigenous people in various forms of music but specifically metal and punk of course um, more towards metal myself but uh, there's a lot of um, pioneers of you know representation in punk a lot with uh, native people and uh, so I found her project to be really something that um super like just caught my interest and attention and all the work she did and she needed help and she reached out to me so I said yes and uh yeah and uh so how did you all initially get connected just through Instagram um somehow we just I don't know I got on her radar probably because I was pretty vocal on how awesome the the archive was I believe is how it probably initially started and then Mm -hmm. We both have a, a extreme um, addiction to The Simpsons, so <laughs> that that helped too. <laughs> yeah. Well, Christy, thank you so much, Cass. I'm I'm I only knew about a couple of those bands, so I'm I'm excited to to dive into some of the other ones um, now that I know the names. And I, it sounds like you really got, as you said, the stylistic basis covered. Yeah. Um, Christy, do you feel comfortable introducing yourself? Hi, yes, you you guys can hear me, right? That's right. Yes, yeah? we can. Okay, awesome. I was having tech issues. I'm so sorry. Um, yeah, hi. Um, nice uh, to meet both I of think you. It says it's still connect her connection's not through yet. I I can hear. Oh, okay, I can. Oh, okay. Can you hear me? Yes. Awesome. Okay. Um yeah, I this is meeting you all and actually i was like i've never met Cass. we we talk on instagram i was like okay finally you could see but then it's like um on anchor so i'm just kind of like oh okay i guess i still won't see him (laughs) Um, but yeah we connected on instagram um with the archive and yeah it's um it's been awesome. So my name is Christy Martinez. Um, I'm a grad student at UCLA and um, in the musicology department. So um, this uh, archive is really part of my uh, master's like thesis. But I mean, I just always things and history and uh, like really music. 
So this was just like something I had been working on, like academically, but also just something I was interested in. And um, yeah, like my family comes from the Yaki people. So I just you know, always had that interest or always wanting to find out like um, musicians or like really important people, indigenous people, um, or, th- you know, learn about um, the different genres. And like, I don't know, I, I, we could talk more about that, but just kind of like, um, the true like founding I guess uh, communities or people that like started a lot of these rock genres and the more like I kind of looked into it the more you realize a lot of like POC or a lot of indigenous musicians have been at the forefront and like of course black musicians have been in the forefront of a lot of musical rock genres so that's just something in like with that uh, film Rumble, like that really sparked me to kind of get in this work too, which is a great documentary about uh, indigenous musicians. I don't know if you all have seen it. I want to say it's on Netflix. I don't know if it still is, but um, that really sparked me to kind of like go to the punk side and kind of see, you know, what bands or musicians were part of the punk movement. Yeah, that one, this is actually my first time hearing about it. So I'll have to, Add it to the list. Yeah, it's a must-watch movie. Like, it yeah. it, it um covers a lot of ground. Like, not just like um rock. There's like it, it goes, you know, and the amount of people that are in it that you're like, wow, like you know, it's um, amazing the spread of of indigenous musicians throughout music history in North America in all sorts of different music so it's a it's an essential film i believe and like with with so many other things uh managed to uh, the styles themselves managed to be uh fully colonized and and uh reappropriated and an interesting thing in it like for an example is that like um you know they cover um charlie Patton, right the blues singer yeah. And, um, and uh, like, I always kind of seen pictures of him and stuff, and I always thought he looked kind of different. Like, you know, he didn't, I couldn't quite put my thumb on it, but he just, some, something about him stood out. And then, and then they talk about in there about his singing style and how he was, I forget his, his um, nation, if it, like where he was from, but he, he was like, um, you know, part indigenous to where he was from. And he, you know, they kind of make a comparison that his in- unique singing style is actually very kind of close to more like uh, traditional native slash kind of powwow singing. And then mm. once you kind of hear that, you're like, oh, I totally hear that now when they show the kind of point that out. So it's like pretty incredible because, you know, the guys like Charlie Patton are, are you know, the founding blocks of rock and everything. You know, the, those original blues musicians like... Um, so you know i don't want to spoil it all since you haven't seen it but that's just one example yeah yeah perfect thank yeah i'm now i feel like i need to go down to charlie Patton and helen wolf rabbit hole yeah Um, oh sorry if i could yeah really quickly um because cast me me think about something is like even Jimi hendrix like 
even that you know a lot of just even the fashion is derived from indigenous people like even like what uh, people would see as like hippie style hippie totally you know the fringe the headbands and all that of the you know the hippie movement it's like a lot of it was Jimi hendrix's like i want to say grandmother or like yeah. a lot of the regalia a lot of the clothing that jimmy wore like the fringe and all that i mean it was literal literal like afro-indigenous um like clothing and like people really that's what we know as the 60s look you know or like the hippie look or the counterculture um so just like yeah it's just a really fascinating how if you look at any genre like I, you could ask me right now i'm not like an expert i would say but like if you were to ask me even thrash like there's just all of these things like you have we could talk more about that but like um you know testament being a really big uh, band um mm-hmm. with the indigenous um front man and then a lot of ter- uh, i'm learning this too so it's like things i'm learning as i read stuff um but like thrash has these themes of you know um kind of uh land and and kind of uh, uh i guess it's like what uh bio like kind of just um taking care of the environment and things like that or kind of degradation that's happened um but a lot of the themes and even thrash music it it kind of stems from a lot of like indigenous awareness and being land um takers and things or land keepers excuse me um that's kind of where a lot of the themes in thrash come from too so i don't know in each genre you could find something or some kind of forerunners that really inspire a lot of these like uh different genres i guess yeah a good example of that is um the band blackfoot they're a a southern rock band Uh, ricky medlock is a drummer and a guitar player and a singer but he was the original drummer of um leonard skinnard and he's lakota sioux and uh then he he was out of like um Leonard Skinner and he started Blackfoot and if you go listen to Blackfoot it is very metal before metal was even a thing really uh, like like uh, you know uh, their first album is called no, uh, no Reservations it has blast beats on it in like 1974 hmm. you know not to say that they invented it but it's just insane that they kind of like you know that you know they were doing stuff like that and they were a huge uh, influence on Gary Hold from Exodus. Like he said, Blackfoot's one of his more, like they Exodus even covered Blackfoot. So there's all these different guys and, and, you know, that are connected to everything that are Native American or First Nations, as we call, they get called up here in um, Canada. So like, you know, Indigenous people. So there's just, it's just uh, tons. Like, you know, there's all sorts of, even in uh, hip hop, there's stuff like that. Like, um, the guys from, uh, oh, what is it? Um, Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. Mm. Um, you know they they say that they're that they have you know connections to that to their indigenous roots and stuff, and so there's just ev- everywhere there's stuff like that, like all yeah. sorts of interesting things. Yeah, uh, Wu Tang Clan like. ODB we posted on the archive too yeah Um, like ODB and you know they're all cousins so they're all you know most of them are cousins like the RZA and um but uh, ODB literally raps like that his grandfather who was in the Shinnecock nation like 
he's like there's a line in Wu-Tang one of the songs I forget at the top of my head but he says like my grandfather who sold Manhattan so that was like the deal that everybody knows how like you know um I guess what became of New York I want to say yeah Um, and yeah he literally says that yeah his grandpa was part of or his great great you know um grandfather was part of that deal yeah Um, yeah this is just so interesting and like even like going off of cast like I'm thinking of hair metal and if you just watch these amazing documentaries there's one on Randy Castile uh as well and he was like a I guess like a metal hair metal kind of uh drummer in a lot of different bands Motley Crue um with Ozzy um you know he he was a very essential drummer in that whole like Sunset Strip kind of uh I guess hair metal kind of scene and um Ozzy you know talking to some um folks that make a lot of these films they're like yeah like Ozzy was very particular of the drummers that he used he loved uh Latino or you know Latina or indigenous drummers because they're just this power that they brought when they would drum and Ozzy was like synonymous for having those uh drummers in a lot of yeah Randy Castillo was um Apache and like that and uh yeah he's actually featured a lot in that um in rumble like they talk a lot about his um impact and stuff so it's pretty pretty cool because uh, i find that uh you know uh it's only been in the last little while that um it's kind of like i don't want to say become okay but it's like it's pretty pretty much like that where it's like you know, now, now people are, Native people are, like, extremely proud of, of who they are and where they come from, and, and, and it wasn't always like that, and it was, wasn't always hard to see, or easy to see um, Native musicians, and especially in more, you know, quote-unquote popular forms of music, but, um, you know, in our kind of pre, pre-show um, bullet points you gave us, um, I, I wanted to point out that, um, you know, for me growing up, um, I never really kind of had that issue where I didn't see people being successful, Native people being successful in music because I was into metal. And like when I was very young, like I was probably eight, I saw a Testament and I saw the Greenhouse Effect, I think it's called, uh, music video on up here. We have a channel called Much Music and, uh, and I saw that and I saw this you know, Chuck Billy is a big guy. Like I saw this big native dude on there and I was like, Whoa, like, and then, uh, you know, when I was a little bit older, I heard, you know, I heard anthrax and, uh, Joey Belladonna's, um, supposed to be Iroquois. Right. So I seen him and I just kind of like, I'd always kind of stuck in my head, like, no, it can be done. It's not, it's not like, you know, I have people like cousins and stuff that are in, in music too, that are like, didn't see it like that they didn't see you know the um influence or like you know people being successful they weren't aware of that and then it's like no there's lots there's tons you know and that rumble shows a great um you know that why it's like that where it's like um kind of uh you know it basically it comes down to that it wasn't um you know, they didn't want the, the record ex- executives and industry didn't want 
just like now, they don't want uh, people to hear this stuff, that there's this oppression within the industry and in the world, and they don't want this stuff kind of being forefront because they feel this guilt or whatever, or they just, you know, they, like they talk about Johnny Cash in there and Buffy St. Marie and like how they got, you know, they tried to blackball um, Johnny Cash because he put out this, you know, album about how America treated Native Americans and that, you know, they refused to play it. So he was like, take off all my music. You know, like, I don't want, I don't want you, you playing any of my stuff if you're not going to play this album. And, mm. and you know, like uh, Buffy, Buffy was seen as a radical because she was telling the truth and they blackballed her right out of the industry pretty much. And she had, you know, FBI files on her and like that. She was one of those people. She was on that level and... You know, so it's kind of, you know, not surprising that a lot of people hid their identity or, or who they were from, or where they were from. And, but it's that, like, you know, that's why it's important. Like, uh, I really think more people should see that rumble. It's, and I'm glad that it's on Netflix and it's like, it's, it's really important because, uh, there's just not enough, um, info about that there's but there's all these people throughout all of history of, of um north american popular music that like literally whole things stem from these people native people and people need to know that stuff so i'm glad mm. that it's out there yeah christy do you remember what kind of experience you had growing up in terms of seeing representation and uh, popular culture especially music um i would say like i grew up in el monte if anybody's familiar with that the, i don't know it's a kind of a a city i have folks that don't know i'm like oh it's by pasadena like that's the closest place i could hear the most like people oh okay but um yeah i mean i grew up in the backyard punk scene so luckily i grew up with you know a lot of kids that were um yeah i guess like i would say like lower class like class or middle class folks and um these kids that were making bands and um very diverse community like um i grew up in the san gabriel valley so there's a, a lot of um a, a very large asian population and um latinx uh population and so I was kind of around that. So I, I feel like, yeah, like I saw a lot of, of kids that um, come from diverse backgrounds that were kind of making music. Um, in regards to like uh, indigenous though, like I would say, yeah, I didn't really know, like I didn't really see that representation. Um, the kind of way that I would, I forget also kind of sparked to kind of do this research was that I was um, watching, it's all documentaries. I don't know why it's always documentaries, um, but it was a Los Crudos documentary of the, uh, I would say, what what would you, like a, uh, what is Los Crudos, a crust band? I, I don't know, like a punk band. But um, so in their documentary, they're talking about, you know, um, migration issues and in the 1990s and all of this, like, you know, the political and, um border restrictions and all this stuff going on in the 90s and you had the riots and and stuff and like well in that documentary Los Crudos are showing you know how they kind of got really popular but 
you know, their kind of experience with all, all this kind of going on and being treated a certain way. Um, but in that, like, in a montage of some flyers of theirs, like, they're showing, like, this is all, the, like, places that we've played. There was one flyer, and I had to, like, pause it to to get that screen cap or whatever. But it was a flyer uh, on the Navajo reservation that Los mm. Cruz played. And I, like, paused it, and I was like, what? Like, I don't know, initially, I wasn't, like, you know, just as a fan, as, um, you know, somebody that comes from indigenous people, I was like, wow, like, where's this punk history? I guess that's the kind of thing and like rumble coming up uh, around the same time. That was what really, you know, kind of made me think that there was not that much representation, especially punk. Um, I didn't know, you know, until looking that there was a lot of like, um, whether the bands played on reservations, like, you know, you have the offspring and that's maybe something, you know, when we talk um, maybe more in, about the research with Flagstaff that you had a lot of these big bands play out on the reservations or for, you know, certain causes and things like that. Or you just had musicians that were indigenous um, back in the nineties and kind of making their own scene and things like that. And it's so fascinating that talking to musicians from the uh, Navajo nation or the Diné uh, nation, uh, you have bands that, um, they're they're the third wave of it so that's so interesting like they've kind of told me about all the waves that have happened throughout the Navajo Nation like they're like yeah we're like the third wave I'm like wow like so there's this like really rich history of punk um in the southwest and I guess that's just really like I, I didn't really see that in a lot of punk uh outlets or anything um so that's kind of I guess where I, to answer the question of like um representation I guess that's where I kind of felt punk um kind of fell short a little bit um and then again you know we we do learn about the east la um punk scene and that's kind of where you know i'm teaching my students that's where a lot of this backyard um gigs that we know these you know backyard shows and things like that that's uh they started a lot in um latinx uh kind of bands and and east la backyards because they were not allowed to play in hollywood so then they took to their own backyards and that's what we know as a backyard show and um, something that me and my uh, my friend brought up and I thought it was such a brilliant point and it's it's kind of an inside joke but it's funny um, but it's so true is that you know when you go to a lot of these backyard shows I don't know if you guys have been to a backyard punk show but you tend to see the whole family of the person throwing it sometimes so you, you'll see the abuela or the grandma there <laughs> or whatever you know the tío the uncle or there's like some kids running around it's just so like family oriented still but it's a punk show so I just thought I thought I was like that's so true like if you were to go especially in the San Gabriel Valley if you were to go to any punk backyard punk show you would see the family there too or the the grandma cooking or something like that like and I'm sure with the the shows on the res too like you would have you know still kind of like a community aspect or folks totally yeah so that's just something I think unique of of uh indigenous punk or like you know a lot of um poc punk is just that community and that still like uh tradition or like family vibe of it like i don't know That's yeah just- on the navajo like in the navajo scene they play a lot at people's houses like right in the house and they play at like um like what are these things called hogan's and they play at yeah. like in the sheep farm like you know that they they make it happen like they because and then and the, the thing that's cool about a lot of those Navajo um, 
reserves is that you know they do have a big support and like like uh like when stuff comes through there so a lot of bands have kind of been been going through there a lot more now and you know going and seeing these um you know um people on the reserves and stuff so it's pretty cool like there's a uh some books and some uh stuff about that too like and there's a lot of bands there like almost every time you know when i try to do um research and find new bands to share and stuff for for the archive like almost every time i I see something it's from somewhere within the navajo nation they they love music like like i mean everybody loves music but they they just make all kinds of bands right you know metal every type of metal every type of punk and then the other thing they're super into is country too they said like pretty much those are the two two main types of shows and you'll see the same people at everything because they all grew up on it right so so one of the goals I have for for my band Bannock Dogs is to go and play down there because because actually my people so I'm Psychotine which is uh, a Diné people too like um, and um, our genetic genetically we're supposed to be like part Navajo and part um, Inuit which is the people in the Arctic up and all the way furthermost north of of Canada and like when I did my uh, DNA stuff I, I had like 10% Inuits which I hadn't I had had no clue so I was like no way and then I would get lots of um, distant relatives in all the throughout the Navajo nation like all through Arizona and New Mexico and stuff and and like um, yeah it's pretty cool to see that that was the case so I was like man I'd love to go down there and then the other thing too is when I hear Navajo uh, a lot of, the words are different like they mean different things some some of it is exactly the same but it sounds a lot of it sounds very similar to my people their, their language so it's like i'd love to make a connection down there and and uh and go and play there or something because it's just just blew my mind how how much they're what they're doing and you know with how you know uh pretty rough situations there right like uh they're not there it's you know, they use it as an outlet uh, to um, deal with the, all the struggles, right? Like, just like any any musicians do, but they have it pretty hard some some places there. So it's pretty awesome to see them using it as a source of um, strength like that. Yeah, we, uh, Dylan and I have both lived at least parts of our lives in Arizona, and both of us have lived um, <clears throat> for a time in Flagstaff, and that's where part of your research is is that right christy yes and and as as you both i think know that's rather close to the nation and um i mean it seems to me like arizona bands have started making trips to the nation much more part of their uh touring routine uh, or even just making a trip from like mesa or phoenix or tempe to there because of the reception that they get um so i i think yeah you're exactly right Cass, that they've got a a culture there of, of major music appreciation and celebration and of all types of different genres and mm-hmm. um, and not only on the nation itself but flagstaff itself i i think it, it is kind of known for having a good music scene but the scene music scene in flagstaff was 
I mean, good if you like certain kinds of music. Most when I was living there, and Dylan, I'm not sure what his, your experience was, but metal and punk was on the decline um, in terms of being represented there when I was there. So I'd have to go to um, the, the Valley pretty regularly. But when there were shows, there was a major contingent from the the um local reservations and, and Navajo Nation um who showed up and yeah the energy the energy of those shows was just really accelerated by their by that energy that you're describing as this kind of catharsis um um and I don't I can't assume to know what their lives are like in on the nation or in those reservations but um you always knew that this wasn't the the crowd was going to have extra energy and enthusiasm if you saw a large contingent coming from one of those places yeah that often drive up together in in like you know a lot of group together and one carpooling together and yeah um, yeah what was you experience dylan in flagstaff um the better shows okay so like there's the 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 main venue so if you are a band that has like a booking agent or you think you're like a rock star or whatever they will just book you at the orpheum for a while there was a place called the green room that i believe might still be open that was getting some good like i'm gonna use air quotes like package tours um but the best shows i always remember going to there were house shows there was the cottage house for years and there was the big house that was also really good. Um, uh, both of which kind of like were routinely shut down by like, you know, just by, by, by the cops. But um, yeah, uh, both times I've played in Flagstaff too, it was uh, always a house show. And that was where you actually really, I feel like get to see uh, everybody let loose and have a good time. So the time for, I guess to, in summary, <laughs> the time I lived there, house shows usually like, popped off the best um unless like and if you went to go see like a package tour or whatever the turnout was usually like just okay and i think that it's kind of really sad because flagstaff i think got a reputation at least among like the pro level bands like oh that show's just gonna be okay depending on the tour package and depending on the night that you come through town but like if you're a band that books your own tour you know and you're just like looking for literally anywhere to play um the experience is kind of the opposite. You'll probably have a pretty good show, especially if you can uh, talk to somebody who will let you do it uh, in, in their house. And then I know that there was a resurgence of, of bands going like to the reservations for, for shows, just because again, there was uh, more of a willingness to, to host it. Um, so the um it was uh, one thing that i was thinking about the entire time you were both talking um was that you know i think a lot of people get into punk and hardcore and they just think that like the house show or like throwing a show in a place where a show is not supposed to be is like an inherently like oh like it's just like it's just part of punk culture and that's kind of like where the thought process stops there's not that extra step to think about like well wait a second where did where did the punks get this from? Mm. Um, I, I grew up in Riverside, California, and uh, that the Christy, when you mentioned like 
going to house shows and like the whole family is just kind of there watching or like some person might be like making making food for everybody that that definitely rang rang true i think there's like there's a bigger element of of community at play that i think sometimes uh as progressive as punks like to think they are i think that that gets overlooked a lot Mm -hmm. i think that um that house show culture it, it, it is a consequence of punk culture and also produces punk culture or, or perpetuates it or maintains it in terms of this like DIY ethic and, and uh, community mutual organization, uh, cooperative economics. Um, and uh, I was going to say like respect of the space you're creating, but house shows often end up with like broken windows and, destroyed drywall but um um, i also think that in flagstaff either whether it's the house shows or at the actual venues um flagstaff i'm not sure how much what your experience was there christy or dylan but my experience was like pretty stark social stratification and and like segregation um and shows were one of the one of the only places where I felt like um, everybody was on the same page, and I would see a kind of a more even cross section of the population of Flagstaff and its surrounding areas, um, because otherwise it it was, I mean, a, a kind of forcibly white city. Right. I would agree with that. Yeah, that's that's exactly what. That's exactly what I saw too. Yeah, it. Uh, talking to a few bands um, that I interviewed, uh, so I guess like my my uh, master's work on this, it was just there was so much history. Um, I could have kept going. I had to kind of restrain and like stop a little bit. Um, so I did kind of get a little glimpse of, of Flagstaff and I would say primarily like in the early 90s. Um, there was more of metal in the late 80s with some, some of the bands. And it's interesting, some of um, a lot of the bands from Flagstaff that I either spoke to or kind of looked into, they were a, a mix of metal and punk, um, kind of both. Because I guess that was maybe a time where it was you know, I don't know. It's just kind of like they were doing both things. I feel like the band that I, I'm in, we're kind of doing a, a little break right now um, just with everyone going back to school and stuff. Um, but it, we kind of do that metal and punk thing too, like really inspired by like Motorhead. Like, so we're kind of like, I don't know, but you see a lot of that in the Flagstaff kind of uh, bands. Um, and there's uh the the biggest band there like you know especially in regards to the archive would be uh blackfire and they're they were a group of siblings um they're still playing but as uh sihasin now um and uh they were you know uh telling me about the racism that they faced in flagstaff but you know they're still out there playing shows but kind of voicing that in a lot of their songs but they uh growing up there they experienced a lot of racism and um what i'm learning myself for like in a lot of the border towns there's a lot of racism because of just you know um or if it's a tour touristy place um you know you have like even um gallup which is in new mexico new mexico i believe and like there's a lot of tourism and so you have 
a lot of shopkeeps or folks that are, you know, not the nicest people or, or really trying to keep maybe that area in a specific way. Um, but you had bands that had that kind of treatment um, in a place like Flagstaff. But, you know, they're out playing um, gigs and stuff and like making do just like you're mentioning with DIY and because it wasn't, I don't think they're like, let's be DIY. Like maybe how folks are now, like in, in 20, the 2020s, I guess, or whatever. Like um, it's, it's kind of like, that's just what they had to do. So um, speaking with some bands, another really great band and they had a, a indigenous female drummer was um, Primitive Tribes. And a lot of their um, lyrics and themes were about, uh, yeah, kind of like, uh, anti-capitalism things like that I don't know so it was just really really cool stuff the artist that did a lot of their artwork was um, you know an uh, uh, Navajo artist that did a lot of their CD work which I thought that was amazing and I kind of just found that by looking up the artist or looking at the cassette kind of uh, credits and things like that but um, they interviewing them they told me that they would play in parks and they would use like uh, what is it extension cords and everything to plug in and they would go to like uh, parks that had the ramadas or the things I guess like the, the picnic tables or things like that um, and they would just throw a show there and kind of wherever they could and um, one of the biggest fan bases was yeah when they would play um, the res and there's just so many tribes especially in that area there's like a, a, an immense amount of tribes and um, so you had exactly like you all mentioned like folks coming from out you know from from the res or bands going into the res um but also they there was this very famous uh records or famous uh, i guess well-known uh record store called dag nabbit i don't know if it's still around but that was a big record store in the 90s um or maybe you know i don't know how long it lasted but um black fire was share uh, the members of black fire were sharing with me um so it's janita Clayson and, and Clee were in Blackfire. Um, but they were mentioning when I interviewed um, Sihasen, which is just uh, uh, Janita and Clay, they were mentioning that um, the record shop, you know, they would just move records out of the way and just throw a show there. They had to like move over the records and just throw an impromptu kind of show. Um, and then there were um, two, this is just stuff I'm learning. Uh, there's two Elks Lodges and that's another thing I'm fascinated with and kind of what I want to look into. Um, so I'm working on my PhD uh, research and I'm still kind of trying to figure out, you know, do I want to stick with the San Gabriel Valley, you know, or kind of do different, get, um, different really powerful scenes in, in punk and, and metal. But um, something they had mentioned uh, to me was that um, yeah, like the Alks Lodges were where they could throw shows. Um, there was one that was, you know, they didn't let them throw shows. And there was another Alks Lodge um, nearby that was, I, I guess, um, ran by a couple that were um, African-American and they let them throw the punk shows. And so the Alks Lodge was like really, really popular. Um, and uh, I need to go up there and I need to like ch check it out and kind of like, um, but with COVID, that's what's uh halted a lot of the traveling um plans and everything i mean we're getting past it now but um while i was doing that work it was kind of like right right before the pandemic um what and when i kind of started my phd it's the pandemic happened so it's kind of jolted a lot of stuff but 
yeah, that's that fascinates me. The Alks lodges, the the vet kind of um, uh, spaces, or the VA, or you know things like that. You have you have them all over, and there are places where bands uh, could go play punk shows. Um, something else that Black the members of Black Fire shared with me is that uh, they're really uh, good friends and. Um, their mentor was Joey Ramon of the Ramones and he actually played on the Navajo Nation mm. and he wrote this really nice kind of speech for the Navajo Nation um, so yeah I mean he really had a you know a love for the the Navajo people and that was you know somebody they were really close with and really loved Blackfire so he would support there's a famous picture where he's wearing their, their band shirt um, but yeah like they're an amazing band Blackfire the lyrics, politically charged, very smart, the everything. And then you have uh, their father is literally in the band who's a, a, a medicine man and uh, an amazing performer and singer. And he's, he's very much part of the band. And I think that mix is super awesome. It's like an elder, like that's in a yeah. punk rock band. <laughs> I don't know. I just think that's so fucking cool. But like, yeah, even that Ramon's tie is, is really fascinating. And these are things that, you know, it's, it's awesome. You know, he was very much part of, um, you know, mentoring Blackfire, but also just loving the music and, and loving the Navajo Nation. So there's just all of these like awesome little gems um, of history that, you know, people don't really look at. So that's why I'm hoping, you know, uh, me and Cass uh, with Archive is that these really important little spots of time are kind of highlighted or uh, kind of there for people to see. I, I, you, you probably, um, I think that that's, I've been thinking more about how valuable archive work is. Um, both of my parents, uh, spent time in library studies <clears throat> and, um, uh, more and more the like literary theorists or critical theorists I'm gravitating toward, um, are coming from an archivist background. Uh, which is never something I really had put much thought into just because it's not the way my brain works, but it's, it's so valuable. And um, I think that I'm curious because I recognize that Navajo nation has become this kind of hub and I'm not sure. I'm sure you've seen that revolver like short film um, called metal from the dirt. Yeah about metal bands on, on the nation. I think, and I think Mutilated Tyrant is the kind of, they're at least the band on the cover of it. Um, you're familiar with that documentary, right? Yeah. And I think that the book that I was talking about is kind of an offshoot of that or something. Mm, okay. Or there's some other, there's some other thing that's, it's a similar uh, theme thing and there's a book and stuff. In that. But yeah, mm. I have, I have seen that um, Revolver one too. I wonder if you have any thoughts or insights into, <clears throat> I know as Cass was describing earlier, you know, uh, these of course aren't the kind of primary genres, um, but I see such uh, energy around punk and metal. Do you have any thoughts on why those particular genres have such a support base around uh, at least Native American or First Nation people. That's a major generalization, but just in terms of my own 
um, familiarity with, uh, you know, Arizona concerts and so on. That's where I see the most uh, turnout. Yeah, I think it's, I think a lot of it is because it's kind of like uh, um, it, it is like uh, like they if you read that book and you read a lot of the band members things, they're like it's like a, a major way to to get what they're going through out of their system you know what i mean like and they talk actually in that book they talk about how it's even more of a than just that it's it is a like a almost you know close to a ceremony type level of of um of needing to do this stuff and then uh, like do get these messages out get their what they want to say out and uh and I think that metal in general is a little more metal and punk is um, so heavy on, on do it yourself on like, we have a vision, we're putting it out there. Like there's no, like, you know, I kind of started dealing with a little bit more, um, you know, commercial music, right. I'd say. And everything's a little more calculated with it. I find. And then from, for me, coming from mainly a like a, a metal background, I find that we don't a lot of you know it doesn't matter who the people are where they're from, but it's just we have this like like we have to do this we have to we got this stuff we're putting it out like we don't care what people think or you know like it's not as calculated it's like this is what we bring to the table and and we're gonna kick your ass and you're gonna like it and or you need to hear what we have to say and then. I think a lot of um, that kind of attitude fits with what a lot of um, indigenous people are going through and, um, and that kind of expression, that kind of like, you know, telling people like, this is what's up. Like, you know, like you look at the themes of a lot of, um, you know, the bigger, you know, rash bands will say like Metallica and Megadeth and, you know, Anthrax, uh, Slayer, not so much. Slayers, you know, you know, their lyrical content was, you know, overtly satanic or like kind of, I don't know what you would call it, point of view stuff. I didn't, they didn't, I feel like they didn't really have a message as much as the other three of the big four. But they, you know, it's a lot of themes, like Christy was saying earlier, that are very um, tied to, you know, maybe what a lot of people, you know, myself and particular i you know i kind of i grew up with these kind of values of like anti-war you know pro-environment um you know stuff like that that's a theme that's in a lot of thrash regardless of where they're from too or who which bands is a lot of anti-war sentiment anti you know or like you know um stuff about the environments and then and then there's just a um, an empowerment to this kind of music too. There's something about this kind of energy that's in the in the metal and punk that's not, not in other music. I don't feel the same way from really anything else. Like you know, there's it can invoke um, such a powerful uh, um, just like you know, just it for me it really touches my spirit. Like it's just like. Like, I, I have to listen to this stuff. I have to make music like this. I have to do what I'm doing, right? Like, I, 
and not a much else does that to me. Like, you know, it does metal and, and that and punk is just this pure to me. And I think the other thing is that these, the, the way punk, our punk and metal is like always kind of been in music. It's just that we've, we've amplified it. The things that, you know, you can go listen to classical music and you'll hear stuff that's like, Oh, that sounds like this or that. It's like, it's always kind of been there. If you think about it, I've seen it in a guitar magazine where they're like, think about those old you know, classical composers and stuff. And they're like sitting there smashing these things. Cause you have to hear it. Think of how loud they actually had to be. Cause they didn't have amplification. It's like pretty heavy to see some of that stuff perform live without that stuff where they have to project, you know, just mm -hmm. so you hear it. So, so I think metal kind of always exists, whether we knew it or not. And, it's just touches a uh, primal, like it just a uh, pure, it's pure to me. Like it's, you know, you're just putting yourself out there and, and the, the energy level is unmatched. Right. It's just, and I think that a lot of um, indigenous people are super into that because it's just, you know, there's a lot of frustration and there's a lot of, um, you know, I felt it growing up, like where it's just like, you know, they've got this constant, uh, foot on your neck or you know the world sucks right and you know you got this way to say that say what you want to say like that's a major part that you know there's not a lot of like you can't say that you can't do this it's like no get out there and say what you got to say and i think that's that's a major major thing like and and I think, like I was saying earlier, you know, in metal and punk, you know, you do kind of, especially metal, I would say. But actually, I was thinking about it like the, um, you know, there's a lot, a lot of different native artists that are out there that were doing cool stuff like forever. But it's just kind of like we don't put two and two together because it, it's only recently. I think that's a big part, too, like this for me personally, like ever since there was a movement called I don't know more, like during the, um, when they were trying to do the Dakota access pipeline and all that, stuff, it really kind of awoke a lot of people to be like, you know, like, um, I'm, I'm native and I'm proud. Like there's, and I'm not ashamed of who I am anymore. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be in spaces that I wasn't, we weren't allowed to be in or, not traditionally you know a part of like there's no like it says i don't know more like now it's it's beautiful because like uh there's people i had no idea that they were anything uh you know native or at all i feel like i i was <clears throat> i'm sure that you've noticed noticed the um this became especially salient to me when I was living and teaching in Flagstaff in particular because of the native populations in my classroom and, and, and trying to bring my own awareness to the way that they might see themselves represented in pop culture. Um, and especially in the last, you would have a better idea of the timeline than I would. And I think that Dakota pipeline would make a would be a good explanation for this kind of start of this trend but seeing a lot more representation in pop culture media whether it be on you know 
streaming TV series that actually get traction or movies. Um, yeah. you, this is a trend you've recognized as well. I, I would say it's more of a, um, uh, in America, that's more of a thing because in Canada, we've always like, well, not always, but for the last, since I think it was 2000 or 1999, I think it was 2000. It came out. We've, we've had a channel up here called APTN mm. Aboriginal People's television network. And so, you know, they, they kind of had like an all out blitz. I still have a thing of magnet on the fridge where they're like, do you have a show idea? And I had their number on it. Right. Mm. And stuff like that, but like, so I, I, up here there was been, and, and especially more in music, there's been more of a, um, you know, I I kind of always seen native artists at high levels in Canada at least. Then the states is totally different. It's not like I like it's it's really you know like sad for, to me to say this, but like I had I didn't even put two and two together about Robbie Robertson until like way after the fact I was like, Oh, like, like, you know, and here he was making overtly, you know, native influenced music or like sounding music and stuff. And I'm like, I was like, why is he doing that? I didn't even, you know, think that he was, I believe he's Mohawk and like, but these people just didn't say that stuff. Like they're just like, Oh, there's Robbie Robertson or, you know, like, uh, I didn't know anything about Link Ray until way after the fact that he was like uh, Shoshone. Like, I was like, what? Like, you know, like, why didn't, why didn't I know this? Like, you know, but now that's why it's so amazing that uh, there's something like Rumble. Like, I think I, you know, I keep going back to that because it, it like, even though I know a lot of this stuff, the extent of the inf like, you know, Link Ray is like, one of the you know earliest adopters of like a fuzz slash distortion right like he you know like that's a major jump in music that's a huge thing to bring that to a, and so many people like the highest level of like the rock you know guitar gods will tell you like they're like oh rumble rumble was the thing rumble was what set me off you know to want to have a more distorted sound right so it's like that's a, a like pretty major change in music. And that's because, you know, he would cut his speakers with a switchblade and stuff to make it sound, you know, fuzzier and stuff like that. But it wasn't until very recently that I found out, I always knew of him, but I had no clue that he had any, anything to do with being native American. And I was like, wow, like, why isn't that a, why isn't that, you know, it should be at the forefront of things, you know, mm. like, I think too, like, you know, it's a big change is who's in kind of in charge of stuff. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of people aren't, it's not the, a lot of the stuffy old dinosaur white people in charge of thing are dying out. Right. So it's like, there's a little bit more diversity and stuff. It's not perfect by any means, but, but there's a lot more people that are willing to um, play our people's music and, you know, give us these platforms uh you know like i said in canada we've always had aptn but it was always a certain kind of music on there too right like they didn't like it was a lot you know like kind of country and blues and stuff and you didn't really see a lot of the different kind of like you know because we had but that being said on on the regular like our mtv which was much music like when i was in high school every day i saw this native rap group called war party and you know i 
it's um they were huge for me because I was like, man, they look like people I know like they're and and they uh they were like huge huge into uh public enemy I found out and I'm like that's like one of my number one bands. So I was like, oh man, like this is amazing, you know. And so I always kinda had that. Whereas even a few generations after me, like my bandmate and cousin in Bannock Dogs, he he didn't see that stuff. Like he didn't he was like he watched TV or whatever and just see, he never saw anybody like that, you know? And, and if you kind of don't know about APTN, you won't search it out. Like it's one of these kind of, it's a free channel, but it's like, if you don't know about it, you know, how are you going to find it? Right. Unless somebody tells you. So he didn't see a lot of the, the stuff that I saw until later on. And then he was like, Oh wow, there's all the same thing. Like, you know, there's all these native artists that have been part of stuff forever, but they don't get any recognition or, until very recently. So, you know, I'm super happy about that because I never thought I'd kind of see how things are, you know, like uh, there's a lot of amazing stuff going on right now and a lot of amazing um, native artists that are doing things that are probably previously unimaginable. But at the same time, through the archive work, you know, there's all these people that have been already been doing this stuff. So we're, we're following in the, you know, the um, path of our ancestors and, in uh just our regular life and in music so it's it's pretty awesome man like uh, i'm uh extremely proud to be part of that that too like i've uh this summer i played part of a tour called uh two rivers remix movable feast and uh we had 12 of the the artists on the native north america uh, native north america record which is like a archival compilation of all these amazing native artists that were you know leaving extremely isolated communities up here in canada like fly you know uh canada is massive and there's lots of places that are like inaccessible that our people live in other than like if you have a plane it's the only way you can get to these places like they're extremely isolated and they these guys had to leave their communities like leave their families leave everything just because the music spoke to them so much that they had to get out there and spread their message right so i got to play shows with a bunch of these guys that this is like you know people from the 60s and and uh stuff like that but these guys are still going and still doing it's still amazing so i got to play with a bunch of those guys and like watch them and and uh you know, share this, be on the same stage as them. And, you know, that's what I think is like beyond amazing that these guys that are like really pioneering, especially in Canada that are like, like, you know, they're giving up everything they had to, you know, imagine having to literally leave the only place you ever known just to try and record, not nothing guaranteed, you know, like it's, it's, uh, amazing what all these people went through and it's even more amazing that they're getting recognition finally like that particular album native north america's like was uh is grammy nominated and you know they're getting a lot of um you know amazing stuff out of it they're start some of these old guys are getting shows now again and stuff which is beyond incredible and i'm so so um happy to be a part of something like that and see you know, them getting their due recognition from not just other musicians, but any, anybody and everybody. 
It's interesting that <clears throat> now that you mention it, for a long time, the only when I started becoming really aware of my own music interests and seeking out music, um, for a long time, the only indigenous musicians I was really aware of in North America were First Nation. So I got very into, um, I'm sure you know these artists, but Tanya Tagak. Um, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and Hallucination um, yeah. has been a favorite for a long time. And I remember being in Arizona and talking with my students who are predominantly Diné or um, Hopi or um, yeah. Tawana Odom. Um, and, and they all knew these artists as well, but I felt like mm, there was a, a less of a representation of um, of Native American, as in like indigenous people in the United States area. Yes, yes. But that seems to be changing, at least in terms of, um, like the most obvious example is reservation dogs. Mm -hmm. Which, <clears throat> uh, I don't know if you've seen the show, but Willie Jack's dad, just a small bit of personal trivia, the actor who played Willie Jack's dad is from my hometown. John Proudstar. That's right. And and yeah. he and I were in a uh, like a college student film together. <laughs> he's really a uh, cool guy. He he's like an artist too, eh? Like a like, yeah, he does everything. I mean, he yeah. was he was like he was definitely the big hitter on our little local <laughs> movie. I don't, I don't, he must have had plenty of time on his hands and been doing somebody a favor because he, he was definitely the only person on there with my MVP page. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's, he's really, uh, um, super cool. Like, uh, I didn't, I like, I seen that he's a, like a comic book artist and stuff. And like, that's amazing too. Like, there's kind of a big, changing that too now where they're you know that that that's really an area that i you know was pretty white dominated for a long time white male dominated now you're starting to see a big change in that and he he yeah i seen that he, i'm pretty sure he does like comic illustration too and stuff and that's pretty awesome that that like that it's all sorts of media it's starting to change this representation like i have a a friend who is a, a rapper and a like he's a painter and a voice actor and stuff. And like he, uh, he, he's in this show called Molly from Denali. It's like on PBS. It's like about Alaskan natives. It's like a, like a kid's show, like, um, like Dora the Explorer or something like that, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, it just got nominated for an Emmy and stuff. And like, I never thought I'd see stuff like that there. You know, there was kind of a little bit of stuff like that in Canada, you know, because we have a television network, there was like a, you know, there is indigenous programming on there. So it's not as, um, I can't say it's not as groundbreaking, but it's just like, you know, it's like, oh, I, you know, we've had that kind of stuff. So, but it's cool to see it, you know, finally kind of getting more. Um, and there's another one that I just seen too, that like, and then I, I actually heard that there's a, an, an indigenous animator that's got a, like a comedic ca a cartoon thing going on uh comedy central down in or uh yeah in uh america so like that's amazing like i never thought i would see that in in my lifetime i'm, I'm not 
super young, but I'm not ancient at the same time. (laughs) No, but I I, I, literally things are that bleak where I I never thought I would see any of the stuff that's happening. And I, uh, you mentioned the hallucination. I find that their ascent is like very tied to um, this uh, openness and unabashed proudness of who you are. Like they, their music is like, and their imagery is like the best way I can put all of what this, you know, this changes is like being unapologetically indigenous. Like you, you know, you are outright there saying who you are and where you're from and saying, you know, your messages and stuff. And like, I, I find that I, like, I really think they're, like as as influential as they are, I don't think I don't think it's realized how much of a impact they really have. Because like here in Canada, they're like, um, you know, their music's starting to be used in commercials and stuff. And like, I never thought I'd see that. Like, you know, it's kind of a certain type of. I don't want to say stereotypical, but like, there's a certain type of like, you know, inoffensive or whatever you want to call it. Like, it's kind of paint by numbers kind of thing is more was more acceptable and now it's like you know like yeah like they're they're changing the game for everybody like uh and uh they're like a huge influence to me just from what they how they do and what what they continue to do like they played the new orleans jazz fest like they've done all kinds of amazing stuff right so and like yeah there was like that movie too with uh ice cube uh I forget what it was called, like whatever that one was about. Like he's like a school teacher and he's gonna fight the other teacher. And like uh yeah, they had uh hallucinations music in that movie and stuff. Like it's just beyond incredible what they've been doing. Yeah. Uh, they deserve like yeah, they're cool, super cool guys and stuff. Um we were actually uh, that tour that I was a part of, uh, we were actually hoping have them be a part of it but it just didn't work out i believe was this thing so that would have been pretty cool but i did get we did get to actually play a bunch of shows with the one of the actual other founding members of that group uh dj shove and stuff so so it's pretty been pretty i've had like a really good year with that stuff um, we the tour was like 44 over at least yeah over 40 different um in all indigenous artists on our our tour hmm. and uh it was a life changing. So, wow, Christian. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Go um, yeah. Going off of cast, like uh, with uh, the representation, like uh, res- reservation dogs, like there's just sprinkles of like, uh, like punk or punk artists in there. Like, um, I think uh, Willie Jack. I want to say it's Willie Jack, a character that is wearing like a, a t-shirt from um, a Diné, like a record label. Um, mm. So it's uh, what uh, Chapter House, Chapter House um, that promotes a lot of indigenous artists and themselves are in um, multiple projects and in a, a punk rock band, a really good band, um, Weed Rat. And then they kind of have like kind of a, uh, more country or like uh kind of shoegaze um with midnight stew so their shirt was uh featured in the show willie jacks uh, it says the shirt says like support your local res band 
Um, so there is that like little uh, Easter egg kind of thing right there. Um, or like, uh, you know, them supporting um, uh, indigenous musicians. And then you have like stickers just in the background. You know, the, the creators of that show really paid attention to detail and kind of included a lot of this like uh counterculture like punk culture like even the artists that you know we love their their work and we like promote them a lot on the archive um because they have a lot of cool like punk art there's so many artists cast shows me too like that are have amazing like punk uh indigenous uh but like mixed with punk style um artwork but um skid skunks is their handle on instagram and they have a lot of cool punk like mixed with um you know indigenous themes um there's just so many artists there's a yeah. uh, another artist i want to say from portland um if i'm not pronouncing it correctly um but it's uh i think it's a uh, like mio um I, i'm forgetting the name but that mio artist so art? uh, yes uh, thank you so much. They they have like all of these cool like boy or like uh, traditional skinhead mixed with the indigenous like uh, artwork. You know, looks very like uh, Sailor Jerry kind of like old uh, vintage tattoo kind of style, but the it's like of indigenous people like a punk or like a skinhead. So they're really fusing these really like I iconic punk images with indigeneity or like one of the stickers that was on reservation dogs was a skid skunks uh, sticker of the milo the descendants uh, uh i guess mascot or whatever you would call them um so milo you know the, the the image of the descendants that we all know um but the sticker says like milo gets his land back or something like that <laughs> and, and he's wearing like a bolo tie like an indigenous like bolo tie and um, so, yeah, they're just really like I, I trying to find the best way of fusing, you know, their culture um, with uh, punk punk rock. And you have the, um, another big scene that, you know, has been doing this um, for a long time, too, is the San Carlos Apache um uh, community with skateboarding. I mean, they have Apache skateboards, and they they've been doing punk rock for forever. And you know, throwing throwing shows out there, creating skate parks, just that that whole skateboard culture. Um, and then something too with the the question on like metal and punk, um, like the influence. Um, I would say just down like what you know what I kind of try to emphasize in my. Uh, research which you know everybody everybody knows but it's just you know the mohawk itself like the whole punk rock mm. haircut um is indigenous i mean it's yep. it, it's you know talking to the members of um black fire they're just like yeah like you know the the people that had um the mohawk hairstyle you know this was a, a very gruesome time that you know indigenous people were getting scalped and and things and so that was a haircut to kind of put their finger up kind of like you're not gonna you know you're not gonna scalp me kind of you know so that hence why the sh the sides are shaped there's also ceremonial like I I, I don't want to I'm not an expert so I'm not gonna try to act like you know there's there's all of these very important reasons why whether traditional ceremonial but that was something they shared with me um that it was very much like a resistance so like definitely the resistance the you know some rebellious nature of punk empowerment yeah um so you know a autonomy things like that 
um, politics, of course, because it's again, it's different. Uh, you know, you have uh, federal, um, you have, you know, your your own autonomy as a tribe. So there's all of these layers, all of these different things. But punk kind of, you know, really speaks to those kind of themes. And then I would say something again, this is not I'm not comparing side by side, but, you know, just talking with some of these musicians is just like uh, the powwow, the the gathering is like much like a like a punk rock show or like even, you know, when you're powwow dancing, some of the dances go in a circle. And I'm not saying that, you know, they invented in moshing or anything like that, but it's just like there's there's these similar kind of themes you're around people from um, different maybe communities. That's what a powwow is. It's, you know, different people coming together. There's vendors. I mean, really, if you really think about it, it's, it has a lot of similarities to like a show. You have a merch table, <laughs> you know, you have- Power like, of the drums too. Yeah, the drums. Um, and you have just this kind of dancing, this this dancing amongst others. Um, and then uh, if you see the documentary on San Carlos Apache skateboards, they talk about the skateboard itself and kind of a, a symbolic thing for, in their culture is like the, the cradle or like the cradle board and, and things for, for um, children or babies. And it, they really tie it beautifully with the skateboard. It's, it's so, so awesome. But again, there's just these things that really tie with indigenous culture or, you know, these, these cultures that put their own stamp on it and so yeah and and metal i'll just kind of going back on that um i have a, a colleague a friend that's doing amazing work uh, her name's vicky she's doing um her work on red metal and um yeah there's just i mean she could probably give a lot of themes with with metal um i will say with that with that documentary um or the revolver it's just like um, the one cr critique, if anything, was the lighting and kind of the mood that they kind of had with that. Um, again, what we don't, uh, I'm, you know, just, this is just my, as a, as a, trying to be an, an academic or kind of like a good researcher or person is just like, you know, when you do kind of highlight a community, you don't want to kind of, I mean, even the lighting, if you notice, guys, it's really dark. It's kind of very, you know, they're trying to really amplify the impoverishness yeah. of it. So that's something, too, is that these really big entities like Revolver or whatever, they, I, I mean, everybody's learning and there's a lot of work to be done. But it's like maybe doing a little, you know, maybe not making it look so depressing or like, you know, that's that's something, too. We don't we don't want to vi like victimize or like I metal and punk yes it, it it's powerful and it and like music of all uh, genres has inspired us or you know gotten us out of dark places i could say for myself like there's bands i could name the cure like all of these different bands that um have really you know helped me or like whatever like inspire me the clash you know with the voice or alice bag or you know these these artists that really um kind of you know, do do something in our lives but at the same time it's just like you, something that you know i hope creatives or um and which you know you, you all are doing an amazing job and like really diversifying and, and doing a great podcast um i i just think you know folks coming into places like and trying to highlight maybe like the negative or like the oh look at they go through depression and like this you know i don't know just kind of it, it's kind of a, a line you gotta kind of uh, be, be careful about how you're going to present stuff and um you know are they giving proceeds while they're kind of doing this um i i could say you know 
some of us um, student researchers and and uh, folks that are are looking at these communities. I mean, we're buying the merch. We're we're uh, supporting the bands. Like that's what they should be doing too, not just coming in. Um, and sorry to go on a rant, but I was like, please, you know, that's all this show is about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, these these big um, music magazines or these big entities like getting like extracting, getting what they want, taking the photo. Um, it's you know po- what they refer to poverty porn. You know, excuse my language, but you don't want to do that to community. So that's what I'm learning as a researcher. I I've been taking classes with. Um, professors, uh, people of color that are really trying to teach us how to be good researchers and not just extract, extract and and just really give back. So that's what we, we hope with the archive too is like, I mean, this was my work that I did and I, I you know, obviously had to turn it in. I, I, I feel it could have been better because I'm, I'm a first generation student. There's probably typos and things like I tried my best um, with a little time or, you know, it, it, uh, these big universities, everybody's busy in regards to like guidance and things like that. But it's, um, you know, I learned that, um, yeah, you, you just want to, you, you want to give back. You don't want to just take, so the archive is like, I, I felt like, okay, I turned this into the university uh, for a master's thesis. I didn't want to just sit in there and, you know, I'm like, uh, not just for like all the hard work I've done, it should be out there. It's not that it's, it was more so like, look at these amazing bands and all of this history that nobody, I mean, most of us don't, tend to know or hear about let me put it out there in the public I honestly, I'll say like I did not think that I just made it just to kind of have it there I guess in an archival way um and sure maybe if a couple friends would add it or whatnot there I mean this numbers could be bigger but that's not my plan for like the archive or like I'm not trying to be an influencer or anything like that um but I mean there's like 3,000 people now following the archive to me that's that's tremendous because I, I just was like, nobody, not nobody's going to be interested, but I just didn't, I don't know. I, I, I had a lot of people, even in academia, why are you studying that? Like, you know, I, I don't know. I, I've run through kind of um, either closed doors or kind of people scoffing at, you know, like indigenous punk and like they thought it was like a oxymoron kind of. Mm-hmm. And like, cause like I oh. got a lot of like, well, that's in the past. Like, or, or like, should you be in ethnomusicology because, or like kind of, you know, anthropology? And that's what frustrated me because I'm like, it is very much musical, uh, music, musicology, um, very current, very, you know, it's, it's, it's now, you know, these artists are literally playing now. Um, like I mentioned, they're the third, say, wave of, you know, punk in the Navajo Nation or, you know, they, they know that their uncles or aunts or, or cousins or, or grand, uh, I don't know, sometimes maybe even grandparents were metalheads yep. or punk punkers, you know, so um, you, there's a there's a really great band to, you know, I could throw bands and I'm sure cast to all day, like, but Low Cash Ninjas is another awesome band. They're a fuse of like uh, ska punk and um, they're they were sharing with me. Um, Jordan is the, the front uh, singer. And I mean, even the band names are awesome. Like there's um their other side band is a play on um, Star Wars, but their band name is Anakin Skinwalker. 
<laughs> which is still water, you know, it's like kind of like, you know, uh, it's it's something in the culture and it's it's kind of a, you know, it's a, a, a scary thing. So I don't want to make light of it. But, you know, that was that was their band name and they're telling me, you know, yeah, they kind of got some some push uh, against that. But big Star Wars fans and, and whatnot. Um, so that's a whole nother conversation with Star Wars and, and indigeneity because... Yeah. Yeah, we you you all know like uh, indigenous people love Star Wars and it's set like even the setting of it. There's just all of these ties to it in indigeneity, but um, but yeah, like uh, going back to Jordan, he would say that yeah, he would see you know the the fabrics, the fabrics that his uncles or his his grandpa or dad, I believe, like the the fabrics that they would wear. Um, you know, they try to incorporate that into their own punk style. Um, and I've had, uh, you know, in the archive too, I've, I've interviewed these like amazing women that are like, uh, into pinup or greaser style, um, which is, you know, what we all, you know, the rockabilly style, but then they're incorporating their, their Navajo, uh, traditional, like the velvet, the turquoise. They're making it their own. So I think that's fascinating or whether it's goth, like, um, there's this, this really awesome model um and uh she's she's an alternative model daphne and she's um i i believe she's uh pueblo and she in like her traditional regalia is sometimes black because she's goth you know and it's just like so awesome how yeah. it's like even the fashion it's like incorporating their tradition and making it their own in a way when i'm on stage now like I always try to um, wear indigenous artists shirts or like even pants, and I uh, like um, that guy in the band you were talking about. I always, uh, if I'm not, I sometimes when I play, I wear a lucha door mask that I got made, but that just in Curtis's band that I wear that. But when I don't wear the lucha mask, I I often wear a. Um, it's uh, kind of like they call it Cookham scarf as a generalization because a lot of people know that word now. Cookham means grandmother. My people's language, I call it Atsu scarf. Atsu means grandma. And I wear a Atsu scarf on stage. I wear it like, a, it's like a big bandana, basically. But I wear I wear it on my head, like to honor my grandma because she she wore them all the time. She wore these, this scarf and it's got all this like beautiful floral patterns on it and stuff. And I wear that to honor her, like every time I go out there, and because I'm out there representing, say, you know, our people, right? So I wanna, you know, she's a major, um, still a major influence to me, you know, even though she's passed away. But uh, like that's why I love to hear this kind of stuff. I love to see that, you know, that uh, honoring our elders is is just like. That's what's amazing about reservation dogs too is like it's uh amazing to kind of see uh other nations like how how similar our values are and stuff like cuz you know that's it's kind of a you know it's it's set in Oklahoma but they're not they're not like specifically saying they're this that or whatever but but there's so much all stuff the actors are from different Yeah yeah so. yeah like Willie Jacks from Alberta right up here mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. But but that's the way that they kind of do stuff like I, I, I you know again it's because we've ha always kind of had kind of a 
not similar as that. Like, I don't think anything's been as like reservation dogs might be maybe the best um, indigenous show uh, TV series I've ever seen. Like it just, it's uh, I can't think of anything that um, moved me as much as that, like a TV show anyways, that movie as much as that, especially this season has been really like super powerful along with being funny. But, um, but yeah, up here we always kind of had, there was a TV show called uh, North of 60 and that was like appointment viewing. Like it was like a huge show. Like everybody watched it, like native and non-native alike watched that show. We'd be surprised how many people watched it. It was like a big, you know, it was on for years up here, like when I was growing up. And uh, one of the characters on their TV, he was like a metalhead. Like he always, like uh, you often see, like uh, I think we've even shared like show posters that use him because he looks so kind of metal. He had like, uh, he'd always wear like a leather jacket and Metallica shirts and stuff. And and he was like, you know, he was always on there. But he was kind of a, like it was an interesting character because he was kind of like, like a bit of a jerk a lot of the time and kind of always angry and stuff. But, but he was early kind of like, like I was like, oh, cool, look at that guy kind of thing, right? And so, so he was I, like I think, the, the native Eddie Munson, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he was like, he was kind of a like a, yeah, he was kind of a dickhead. <laughs> like he was not good. <laughs> and then he kind of like, it's funny too, because like over the course of the series, he kind of like quote unquote like sold out and he like became part of the chief and council and he he kind of changed he was like wearing like you know what we call like town clothes or whatever <laughs> like he he ditched the leather and stuff and all that so he's kind of he went changed. like full he went like full slc punk ending basically <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 totally and he was just like yeah and then, but he was like he was like really terrible he'd be like like he would he he he, you know, impregnated his girlfriend. He was like, oh yeah, he wanted nothing to do with the kid and stuff. But he eventually he did. But you know, but it was like it was an interesting, it was an interesting show. Like uh, it has an iconic theme song. Like it's one of those things that's like burnt into a lot of people up here's brain. Like, <laughs> if I start playing it, people know it. They're like, whoa. <laughs> and it was like it's funny too because like it was actually uh, like it's a dramatic show, right? But it was still had humor elements. Not as much. It was actually kind of a supposed to be like a like a basically like a ripoff of that. Uh, what was that show called again? I can't remember what it was called. I can picture and stuff. It was like a show in the '90s that was like about like uh, like an airport or something, and like they were like oh wings. Not wings. It was some other thing. Like it was like it had North in the title or something too. Hmm. Northern Exposure or something was called. Mm, mm-hmm. And it was like, uh, it was like, uh, like they were trying to, it was basically a knockoff of that. And it kind of was a little bit like that, but then it got like super, super serious. And like, uh, it's an interesting side note that it's like, uh, um, a lot of people, like uh, people older than me, they kind of like, they're like, that show got, got, uh, too, too, uh, soap opera, they would say. And that's like, but it was really because like the, it was that effective. Like they bought into it so hard and it made them feel stuff and they didn't like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of uncles were like, oh, I thought the show was just order. I hate that show after it got too bullshit or whatever. And it's just like, oh, <laughs> it made, it made oh. you feel something. 
I hate it when I have to feel anything when I'm watching TV. So I, I totally get it, you know. I, I uh, crack up when cast or like any any of the memes talk about like uncles or <laughs> uncle culture. I don't know. It's uh, I don't know. Cast, do you want to enlighten the podcast with the uncle? Oh, <laughs> uh, just the uncle's ways, you know. Like it's just like. You know, they just they just live in life. You know, like they just they want to do their thing, man. And it's like this world doesn't like that sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so brownie, if you all like, I would say like brownie, like uncle, yeah, yeah, perfect example of the uncle. Um, Beautiful character. Yeah, Gary Farmer is amazing too. Like he's uh, one of the best uh, actors. He's just just always good. And and that that like I was like, man. I didn't think like I didn't think anything would come along that could surpass like, um, you know, his uh, character in like Smoke Signals or any any of the other stuff he's done. But Uncle Brownie's like just it's beyond amazing. He was one of the so like when he's like you know he's a perfect example of Uncle culture is like like he's like you know they're like hey he's throwing this out like cheese finds that like I think it was like uh, um, what was that show uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Mm-hmm. What is it called? Yeah, yeah. that's it. Yeah. yeah, he finds the and he finds the VHS. He's like, he's throwing this old. Hey, give that back! Like you know, he's still got his old tape and stuff. Like, that yeah, Gary Farmer was one of the only actors, uh, one of just a handful of actors that I knew from other things before I saw that show. It seemed like a good. Um, the show did a good job of being a, uh, I think, an entry point for a lot of the younger actors. Yeah, yeah, and there's a lot. A lot of those guys on there are like, like um the other guy. Actually, it's, I was gonna bring him up because he's a punk on there, right? Like uh, Wes Studi mm-hmm. is the kind of other uncle on there. That's kind of like he's kind of look, got a punk look to him, right? He's yeah. a punk. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> and like, uh, yeah, like, um, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't like they're. They're just uh, firing all cylinders. Like, I, I don't know of another show. To me, personally, like, for what it's about and what it is, like, it's just so perfectly cast. Like, even um, I really thought he did quite well for not being an actor at all. But I thought that, um, wow, what's his name? Uh, uh, Dogface uh, from TikTok was, like, great on there as an uncle. What is that? Nate Apogada, maybe? I, yeah, I yeah, 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 yeah. The guy, remember the remember the viral TikTok of the guy riding a skateboard, drinking a right. cranberry juice. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah do, that's dog. With Mac. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like you know, that's Uncle vibes right there. <laughs> <laughs> like I knew, I, like everybody. I actually got an argument with somebody that was trying to tell me that that guy wasn't native, and I was like, no, he is. Like, there's no way he's not, and he's ha- you know he was half. I was like, see, I knew it. I could tell. You know, and then it was like, yeah, he's like a perfect example of uncle vibes. <laughs> you know, but yeah, yeah, like that show is like, you know, it's uh, just perfect. Like even the non-native uh, actors that they've cast have all been great. Like you know, like Bobby Lee's awesome on there from Mad TV, and like even Mark Marin, who I thought was really good as the. You know the foster care, like jerk guy that ran the place when they took cheese away. I was like, man, that was like 
that was perfect role for him, right? And then even yeah. those like those freaking pretendian meth heads are hilarious too. Oh like, my god! The guys at the the uh, like at the, uh, in the junkyard, yeah, the scrapyard. Bill Burr as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. That was like that was great casting, and then like the, um, yeah, just everything's just been pitch perfect on there. Like the music they picked, the like Christy was mentioning, all the stuff they give little hidden shout outs to. Like, there's all these little things that are just like, oh, oh look at that. That's awesome. You know, like these kids are like. You know, like, uh, to bring it back to Wu Tang, like, you know, they're always wearing Wu Tang stuff. And, like, yeah, like, uh, they said, like, back in the day, like, they used to go to powwows and stuff. And, you know, they, they stay, tried to stay connected to their, their ancestors and stuff. Right. And, you know, I always kind of wondered about them because, like, they, there's just, like, little, little things besides what ODB said that stuff like that Riza said that I was just like, huh. Like, I just was always kind of like, why would he bring that up? You know, I thought it was kind of, interesting and then then i found all that out and like my cousin was the one that pointed out he's like on that show that they made about their history they're like i knew they were they had to have some like their native lives always playing in the woods and stuff i was like yeah man totally <laughs> and then they're all cousins i was like yeah exactly because <laughs> like you know that's a big big thing in 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 our culture is like you know you know all your cousins and you're all you know they're they're just as important as the brothers and sisters right so just before we've hit most of the bullet points i had in mind um before we i have another question for christy uh, before we round out with some underrated gems but dylan were there things that you wanted to bring up that we didn't get to um ask your last question and if and yeah i might have one more just depending on what your last question is yeah, I was just um, curious because I'm learning more about the process of archiving and because you all are the ones doing it, and especially Christy is, is, who got the ball rolling with it, I was interested to know how you go about, because so many of the, the bands you profile are, are to this music geek, uh, I've discovered a lot of new artists through your through your page so i was wondering how you go about um finding new musicians um you mentioned record labels for me that's often a good way to discover new artists but what 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 is your process um i think uh flyers is a great kind of entry point um and what i for i was like what, what i was talking about alks lodges why why i was bringing that up i forgot that um through the flyers or just kind of the venues that that was a great entry point um but uh that a lot of these shows like i i we've mentioned on the archive is that um it's and uh great deal who's a, a really great um artist and muralist and also in a punk band and I mean, that could be for the gems at the end, but uh, uh, Dead Pioneers is their band. <laughs> and just the t- like, again, the names of these bands. Um, mm-hmm. But um, yeah, like very politically charged, kind of spoken word. But um, so he also mentioned this at, uh, Salt Lake City punk uh, scene um, that was really thriving. And like through just like looking at old flyers or just even typing in, you know, like, American Indian or like indigenous um, with like, you know, an area or a venue. Um, 
there was like these uh, a lot of the American Indian centers or like bingo hall um, bands would play there like as the venue or the space. So I think it was even Black Flag in the 80s would play at the American Indian Center. So you see it, you see it on the flyer, you know, so the flyers was always a good indication or like just kind of typing in or like, um, you know, whether a band did an interview or like newspapers is always good or just kind of, um, yeah, just reaching out to folks or, you know, there, there's local bands too um, in Southern, in Southern California, Los Angeles right here, like um, Aslan Underground or like, you know, uh, folks that are more maybe into the like uh, I'll say like crust or grindcore you got a uh, resistant culture so yeah. even in Los Angeles or iconoclasses you know a lot of members of uh, Aslan Underground but you have all of these these bands that were um, you know in the 90s uh, touring and then they're playing reservations or you know their flyers are going to indicate that so um, or just their pages their Facebook and that, that's why I think um, memory and, and and uh, folks tend to scoff if it's not like a book or like this, you know, you know, it's great to have really uh, great academic works and, and whatnot. But, you know, there's there's treasures and also com comments, uh, YouTube comments um, that I just think people kind of, you know, I know it's kind of sometimes as a cesspool with things like that, but like Twitter or like um, posts, old Facebook posts, unfortunately we don't have MySpace anymore, but like links and things like that that are still active or like, you know, say it was back in the 2000s, but there's still that memory of, um, in a post of like Facebook, like, hey, this show that was going on in tw uh, 2001, you know, so like, but of, of course I, I, I want to ask permission or you know it's if it's just you know I even shy you know with the archive now I I, I kind of like I'm like I don't want to bother people like but you know a lot of the musicians tend to be like yo yeah please like share this you know just as as long as you don't want to take credit for it or anything like that you, you want to tag the the group you want to you want to showcase them and that's why I don't want to step on anybody's toes or you know if they're I just always try to make sure like is it okay if we post this is, is it okay because it's just again it's people's art it's their their life's work you don't want to just like oh look at me look at you know this so I, I always try to like involve or like ask the band or artists but yeah I mean it's just again like just old posts um old photos old you know and then with the archive it was really awesome like i want to kind of do more of that um in the vein of like there's these archives um like veteranas and rucas i want to say or like map map points which are like you know they're they're just photographs or they're photographs of the youth like whether it's ho it was house culture or, like um kind of like cholo cholo chola culture or like you know how yeah like ravers or whatever like they're they're just photos that people send in and you know when they were in their youth and when they looked a certain like subculture so that that's something that i've you know there was a few folks that were sending photos which was really really cool like it's an honor like that's you know their photos their memories um or they look like cool back in the day but um that's something i hope to kind of do a little more it's just it's hard being a, a i'm sure you all know like if you have kids or like as a student or or like working to kind of maintain your life but also do that's why i'm like so grateful that Cass, even as a busy musician and like person with his community and like working and stuff like 
that he helps with the archive. But it's like, yeah, I would say like just just these tasks, like you know, flyers, um, documentaries, um, like again, like the Los Crudos. That was a that was a quick little second of a flyer that really sparked, like, hey, where's the rest of this um, history? That's incredible. That's uh, that's some serious crate digging. Um, I think that that was yeah. I, I actually don't have much more of a follow up question. That's kind of what I was what I was curious about because I think that in the age that we live in, where like we've essentially whittled, we've like whittled down all forms of like subculture and just culture in general into like four websites, which I complain about on every episode. So this one's no exception. Um, but yeah, I think that like there is there there's complete lost art of actually digging for digging for the subculture you want to be a part of so that's uh that's i don't know i'm just i'm just stoked to hear that christy well, you, you were down to like just like oh i'm gonna screen cap this like this documentary flyer and like go dig it up and then find out whose band it was like that's so sick yeah that's a, that's a big thing what what drew me to the um like I don't even know how I think it just came up like uh you know I I have to I guess thank the algorithm I think that's how I seen it because I saw a poster, and then I was like what is this and then I started looking at stuff and I seen all the different things that um you know Chris had found and I was like whoa like this is like because people had been telling me to do this kind of work you know this kind of thing and I was like I didn't really have an outlet for it you know like or a way to help or do anything like that and then and then it's just you know whatever you want to call it you know we found each other on there and uh like that that was a big thing that drew me in because i love seeing that stuff i love seeing you know especially like killer art like you know even i like seeing like i like seeing stuff that's like even bad i love it i love all of it i love the i love um people just doing um stuff passionately like that you know like you know there was this one band i can't remember their name offhand they're like a like a mexican like a sonoran um actually metal band and they had like you could tell that their art was like pencil crayon but it was awesome like it was so cool like i was like yeah and i shared that and, like people were like yeah, killer and i found actually a lot of stuff that was like really killer stuff to do with sonoran different punk and metal bands and stuff and it had like all this indigenous artwork in it like our stuff that's um know big to their culture right and i was like man this is so cool like i love seeing that mix or like that you know making it your own like that and 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 that was a major thing and like i'm already super into like like finding stuff like that on my own for all the stuff i'm interested in like you know like i will i i I have like an archive of my own of like like not a, a site or anything but just stuff that i just get like like i have like big uh folders of like um you know wrestling like fanzines like for up here in canada like like that were like not even for big name like it's just local stuff like i i'm so i'm super into anything that's like these cultures like these subcultures like that and the work that these people did and continue to do is just it's you know super inspiring and and uh and it, I like uh, I told Christy like when we first started, um, you know, she approached me about helping. I was like, this this is work that needs to be done. Like we, you know, some who knows who's seen this stuff. You know, like the next generation. The, you know, what she was talking about the the, the Navajo Nation saying we're third wave. Like who knows who's seen what we're doing. That's what I always tell people too. Like with our our shows and stuff. I was like, who we don't we don't know who's in the audience. You know, 
we, you know, we got to go out there and, and um, represent, you know, like we got to go out there because it's like, I thought about it. Like when, you know, it was the first time I ever played a show in my own hometown. It's like a pretty small place. And I thought about it and I was like, you know, outside of like uh, cover bands and like, you know, in, in our communities, there's no, there's like me, my cousin, and like my other cousins that are rappers that are like the only people that I'm, I'm pretty sure are the only people in our whole nation that are making original music. Like that's, that's unacceptable to me. Like we got to get out there and, you know, inspire more kids to do whatever, you know, like, you know, like, you know, that's what, what I think is why it's important to be doing what we're doing. So people can see that it, it can be done and has been done and continues to be done so absolutely otherwise the the algorithm is just going to keep feeding you like the same like 80s old school hardcore instagram photos. <laughs> yeah, which, yeah, which again yeah. i love all of them but I, I mean i don't have to tell either one of you who's going to be in those pictures so yeah yeah exactly. i think that now it's especially important to do the kind of concrete as in like physical form archive work because um although it was always that i mean although it was always important to do it that way now you know there's this the availability of information online um tends to imply the, the kind of ex expectation or uh, um belief or assumption that everything worth knowing is online already exactly means that this this work if you're not doing the work with the physical form stuff history will indicate that it just never existed um yeah. so that's, that's one of the reasons this is so crucial yeah do like that like that revolver documentary that um christy i'm glad you you critiqued it um just because i could be a Frank have felt the same way like that's what will those types of legacies are what's just gonna live on it's like oh here's this like this dreary image of a bunch of people to just kind of feel bad for and not much else versus again as a a breadth of of information of of people truly in, enjoying their craft and pushing a respective genre to a new place yeah i think the thing with that is like like it's just easy to do uh trauma porn or whatever because like, it's guaranteed reactions one way or another like it's yeah. kind of uh, uh no different than you know clickbait or whatever like it's just easy to to um make somebody feel something that way with, without actually doing like actual work or really making it uh, a point or 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 you know what like probably it should have been done by somebody that wasn't from revolver you know what i mean yeah. they, they just you know they just put it out like they didn't you know, like, because it, that, that's the thing, right? It's like, you know, these people aren't really connected to those people. And what they see is, is, is just a negative thing like that, where it's like, but they don't get how, you know, if you go read that, like, there's that book about their, you know, it's like, yeah, like, they're like, yeah, like this, if we didn't have this music, I'd probably be way worse off, you know, like, you know, like, or gone, like, you know, it's that important to them that it's, you know, it's changing their lives, you know, even if they don't, make the you know to the levels of you know whoever 
like they have to do it like it's uh you know it's much more than just like oh we gotta get out we gotta i want to play guitar or whatever you know and the same thing like connects families like like we were talking about they talk about that in that book like they're like um like yeah we have it at our you know our house and like you know some of the same thing like that uh i forget which band it is um when they were talking about how like their dad or whatever was like the drummer and he was just like yeah like you know i'll help these guys out and like you know he's on like council which is like the like you know people that work under chief and whatever in the band right or like the tribal offices right so it's like pretty wild that they have like somebody that's like kind of a you know a stuffed shirt kind of a person you know in their crazy metal band right like it's pretty cool you know that they they you know he sees the importance of what they're doing and keeping it going and you know he's like and he was like a fairly older guy compared to them like the kids like kids and their dad like it's kind of a you know again a rare thing like um what christy was talking about with um uh, blackfire like it's pretty awesome you know to see those connections and support you know like that's that's what i would make focus of things on i wouldn't you know that's me. Um, you know it, it's easy enough for them to just see the you know what they did right and that, that's the problem with a lot of the previous like you know that's exactly why um you know we don't know this stuff is because that's the people who've been making stuff forever you know it hasn't been stevie salas always making documentaries about native, native musicians they're there barely any, you know, until that rumble is like beyond critical. And, 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 you know, I don't know how many people I've seen, like, have you seen rumble? Have you seen rumble? Like, and people that were like, you know, I've had people that are non-native go like, Oh man, that show like was unreal. Cause like, it, it, you know, they've been playing it on TV up here. Like anybody can kind of see it now it's on Netflix. Like it's, um, yeah. Like I can't praise that enough. That, that film. Yeah, I'm grateful. I'm I'm sad that I wasn't aware of it, but I'm super grateful that you brought it to my attention. Yeah, it's um yeah, it's on Netflix and and it's just yeah, it's like that's major and and uh Stevie Salas is somebody that um we should shout out to because he's uh he's an incredible uh um guitar player and he's Apache and he's done amazing things, you know. He he worked with uh got to start with like George Clinton and Bootsy Collins and stuff and he's a guitar player for Mick Jagger and Rod Stewart and like that's incredible man like uh, to see a, a native musician at those levels like playing with those kind of dudes like that's um that shows like there's no limit to what our people can do mm. you know there, there isn't a barrier of because of who we are like it's all that bullshit is gone in my opinion I mean there's still barriers but it's you know we're gonna break through all that stuff it's not gonna be like where you got to hide it or whatever that, like I said, hallucination to me is a big changing point. And I think how a lot of people um, see themselves. Cause like, I, I, I never seen anything kind of like how they were. Like it was a new kind of perfect representation of like a certain era, like a generation of people. Like it was like the way they dress and the, like their content. Like if you go to their shows, like it's uh, perfect, you know, to, to me yeah like uh their visual visual stuff is amazing their collaborations are amazing but yeah steve to get back to steve salas like yeah he, he's he's i don't know how much more i could praise him but but it's just like yeah he deserves everything because of that that film is like yeah thank you 
Do we want to shift into underrated gems? Let's do it. Uh, Christy or Cass, did you want to say anything before we went to that section? Anything no. that, you, that you're hoping to get to that we didn't touch on? Uh, I think, no, we've covered everything. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, do, do either of you have any underrated gems you'd like to share? I know, Christy, you implied, you mentioned one earlier, if you want to either reiterate it or choose another one. Um, I'm, I mentioned so many great bands, um, uh, the top of my head, some that I want to shout out is, um, 1876 that is, uh, Gabe and, um, now with the full lineup, um, Gabe is the front, uh, lead singer. Um, it's like a awesome, uh, they, he refers it, um, the music as, um, powwow punk rock so mm -hmm. it's super awesome but it's just like this really powerful like kind of pop punk ska um kind of infused like uh hard punk rock and um yeah he he's amazing he was playing all the instruments um and this is all kind of during the pandemic too and now they're ready to go with a full lineup um but they're just amazing. Like it just sounds good. Like the music that they do and the the lyrics. Um, I actually sang some backup, and the, it was interesting because it's like from California. Um, to I believe Gabe might be out in Portland, if I'm if I recall. Um, but he's part of the Cheyenne Nation. But um, yeah, like I just did some vocal back background for one of the songs which is a very powerful song like just the lyrics they touch on missing and murdered indigenous women which is um you know if if y'all are um uh, aware is very rampant in a lot mm -hmm. of places especially america canada um but yeah. even you know there's its own kind of uh there, there's a lot of uh, femicide and things in Mexico and um, with you know some factory workers and just women in general in, in Mexico like Juarez is you know just where these women are either go going disappear uh, you know gone disappeared or you know brutally killed uh, murdered it's just you know and it's it's decades and, and years and years of just you know people don't see and I'm sorry I'm going on a tangent but um, with you know this is all just stuff I've learned um, in my course um, but just even with folks think stereotypes or mascots like oh what's the big deal what's the big deal or like a Pocahontas or whatever and it's like the depictions the the stereotypes they they you know they propel this behavior of you know we could do whatever we want especially with women or like uh, you know the LGBTQ or two-spirit community like you know, there, you know, for many years, we've seen car racist cartoons or, you know, like, like a Pocahontas, a, a Indian princess, we could just treat these people how we want if they're, you know, if we hurt them, no big deal. I mean, the these little things, these stereotypes are like kind of depictions, they don't help, they don't aid to, you know, the, these very dangerous or violent kind of um, mistreatment that goes on or like you know very dangerous kind of uh, actions taken by people um so yeah it's just it's not just a you know get over it it's just a, a football mascot it's like you know no you're kind of sticking people in a moment of time or like trying to make them demean and things like that so 
Um, that song's very powerful. It's Nis- if I pronounce it cor- correctly, it's Nisisa, which is a, I was like so fortunate to do the back backup vocals. But I mean, as a songwriter, Gabe is just amazing. Like the themes, the you know they 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 have a song we don't run like or it's just like these themes of you know communities or indigenous communities um just really political really um heartfelt amazing music so sorry um 1876 is an awesome punk band um and i'm a big uh emo post hardcore person melodic like a hardcore person um so i'm a big fan another band from the or another band but they're from the navajo nation um is heart museum i love that band i'm such an emo kid at heart so i mean it's just like it's very much that screamo like but i mean that's the thing is like that band like they're if you put them neck and neck with any of like back in the you know the bands warp tour any of those bands like I, I i don't know like uh, a static lullaby or any of those like heart museum would demolish all of them like they're just so talented and like the vocals and the you know it's just it, it's and it sounds good it's just like very talented musician so that's like another shout out um uh alliance which is an apache band um they're kind of like metal um screamo too kind of like really really beautiful voice um they're amazing i one of my favorite interviews was with that band they're just the most down-to-earth folks like laughing you know like when you're in an interview you're just laughing with each other each other like you all can't stop or something that was like the interview with the lions like they're just really good people um and then the last band is kind of still in that hardcore vein is um with war and they're led um by trish and i mean uh, trish is an amazing vocalist and uh they are changing the game of hardcore music because like you you all mentioned like when we tend to think of hardcore we're gonna kind of picture an image of you know probably male you know white kind of a lead singer and um yeah no this is an indigenous uh individual that is that is awesome and just really changing the game of hardcore and i think zulu um while they're like from cali and um a black hardcore you know they're really changing the game of, of hardcore music so i just want to shout out zulu too but um mm-hmm. those, those are like my gems i would say like it's in that hardcore emo or um hardcore vein excellent thank you so much I'm grateful. With War and Zulu were the only ones I knew, so I'm excited to add some more to listen to. Awesome. Would you like, do you have any to share, Cass? Yes. Um, I just wanted to shout out um, a band, actually, I found doing, doing research for the archive. Um, they're called Mictlan, and they're from Mexico City, and uh, they're like a uh, like a super awesome, like uh, death metal band, but they kind of use, um, not kind of, they actually use um, like traditional um, instruments from their people. And it's like a lot about like Aztec and Mayan stuff. And like, it's just super powerful. Like um, I got their, their latest album. It came out in like 2015, but they've been around since like, yeah, like 1991. And like, yeah, they're just like, it's like, killer like 
kind of like Florida death metal kind of stuff, but with this, like just this folk kind of indigenous instrumentation mixed in with it. And it's like, yeah, as soon as I heard it, I went and bought, like I bought their stuff. And then, uh, Another one that, uh, you know, I actually, there are people I just been getting to know in the last little while is a band called Hujane and they're, they're not really like, uh, you know, a full on like a metal band or anything, but like, you can definitely hear the metal influence in, in, um, the guitar player slash singer Sabina's playing. Like she's like, she's like, like it's there. Like there's like these little things in there that are like, it's totally like, you know, kind of black sabbath ish but on acoustic guitar like it's total folk kind of like um she sounds like um like you know to me she reminds me of like buffy saint marie and her sister's in the band um kumba and she plays um flute and like it's really powerful like uh like I've, i've been lucky to be on some bills with them and um I I just had to uh, you know shout them out because uh, there there haven't been too many bands ever that have moved me as much as they do, and uh, and they have their uh, friend uh, with them too that plays um, percussion with them. Sometimes my bandmate Mika is with them, and uh, she does kind of spoken word over their their stuff, and it's just un- unbelievably powerful. Um, indigenous women like their front line. Uh, Sabina is uh, like a front line. Um, you know, she's been in some pretty scary situations of like major, um, land protecting of, um, sacred areas in, uh, here, up here in British Columbia in Canada. And she's, you know, she's, you know, it's, uh, I'm just grateful that I got to meet somebody as powerful as her. So I had to shout out her band and her wonderful, like beyond amazing music and, and, uh, that's just, um, yeah, like I uh, got to see them perform quite a few times now because they were part of some of the tour. And uh, yeah, they're just they're just beyond killer. And then uh, uh, another one that I wanted to shout out was, because uh, I just seen them not too long ago, is a band from up here in Canada um, called Sacrifice. And uh, they're like a, like an old school thrash band and like they're still going, still kicking ass. And uh they were one of the early bands that I saw that um, had a, like a, also had like a, um, you know, uh, I don't, I don't know exactly what his uh, background is, but um, you know, he, uh, their guitar player, Joe Rico um, is a person of color and he's just like one of my favorite guitar players. And uh, he was an early, early, you know, like person that I saw that like, you know, it's like, that I was like, oh, it looks like people I know. Like, I don't know. I don't, I don't think he's indigenous at all, but, but it's just like, you know, it was cool to see that, you know, like that, I think, I think that's what's cool about metal, especially is that there is like a, like a, a, you know, not a super, a lot of diversity, but more than most, like you think about one of the biggest bands, like uh, Metallica, right? Like Kirk, Kirk Hammett's um, Filipino, like that's pretty awesome. Um, I have friends from where he's from and, and like uh death angels from around that area too in san francisco and stuff and like they're you know it's it's awesome like you know you don't see that in a lot of other music like where they're really successful you know bands like like death angel for example they you know they're they're filipino or or like you know we were talking about earlier randy castillo it's like in aussie that's a pretty damn big band you know to have somebody that's apache and 
is his drummer. Like that's super inspiring. So I, I always, uh, my last shout out will be to metal in general for always having things like that in it. So. Yeah. Thank you. <clears throat> you want to so, go down? Yeah, I only have I I only have one for today. Just I'm here. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I just uh yeah just uh, Appalachian Terror Unit. Is, yeah. That's that's the one I have. Um, they're from uh, West Virginia, I think. They had a record on. I think they had a couple on Profane Existence. I don't know. They have a split with Oipoloi. So, um, if you like Crest or Grind, that's uh that's definitely a band that I feel like is not in the conversation very often. They kind of, they've been kind of bumped out um, by some of the, the air quotes, bigger names. If you could be a bigger name in Crestor Grind, which is kind of funny, but yeah, Appalachian Terror unit. That's, that's mine. Yeah. I'm kind of cheating on mine because it's, it hasn't been around long enough to be underrated. Oh, boo. <laughs> so it's just going to be an advertisement basically. Um, uh, Fortuna Malvada from Tucson. And I'll admit a little bias here because I'm friends with some of the people in this band, but I think that it is an unbiased opinion that this is a really excellent five song EP that just came out called Strength Through Wounding. Um, uh, lyrics are in English and Spanish. And um, I just, you know, Tucson will often produce really great music that never really finds a national stage. So um, to the extent that we have a national reach, I'm not sure if that's the case, but we do we had international uh, guest last year, last week. So um, let's hope that uh, we get some people from uh, around the U S and Canada and, and around the world listening to Fortuna Mavada. Oh, hell yeah. Awesome. We'll check it out. Well, I um, it's been such a pleasure, folks. I know that we we first kind of started talking about doing this during the summer, um, and I, I think that a, a lot has happened in all of our lives between then and now. And I'm really, really grateful that we were finally able to connect on this. Yeah, thank you. I'm so happy to finally meet y'all. And uh, yeah, I know it's been in the works and I really appreciate y'all like wanting to even chat with the, the archive yeah, totally. and, and everything. It's just like, it's cool. You know, I, I just am happy to see that people really um, enjoy punk and like these cool flyers or like memories and things like that so like i don't know i just i'm i'm super grateful to meet y'all and have, have us on here yeah what you're doing is very is is really really crucially important and and uh and i'm i'm glad to know that you, you you've got the following that you do and it's been a, a real gift to be able to follow you over the years Well, well, I hope you keep up the great work. Definitely, yeah. I feel uh, I want to go research some more. So yeah, me like, too. Yeah, I feel like I've been slacking now that it, yeah, there's, there's so ah. much out there and always new bands that are coming out too. So it's super exciting. So yeah. Well, yeah. I think I think we we've all got plenty of homework to do after after <laughs> this after this gathering. But yeah, th thank you both for for your time. Um, I definitely. I learned a lot just in, in this in this short conversation. So 
um, thanks again. And hopefully we'll, we'll all keep in touch after. Yeah. Well, definitely. Thank you. All right. Take care. Have a great day. You too. Thanks. Bye y'all. Bye. Bye.